Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. What I want to share with us as a kingdom armory. Kingdom armory. When when Pastor was preaching last Sunday and he was using all of those analogies, it was almost like he picked into my notes all of those um, royalties, how they behave and the perks and the privileges that comes with them. I'm like, why is this man using my introduction to start his message now? But I think um, God wants us to actually rest in that part. God wants us to sit on that, what it means to be a kingdom person, what it means to be a kingdom man, a kingdom woman, what it means to be part of a kingdom, to be part of a reign, to be part of a dominion. What does it mean? And we've talked extensively about this. In case you missed um, the series on that, we talked about um, we talked about what it means to be kingdom. There was a pastor spent almost weeks talking about all of those things. But this morning, I just want to focus on if we are part of a kingdom and we have tools, we have armors that we use in this kingdom, how do we use them? Or do we even know what those tools are? How do we exercise them to get them the maximum benefit for our lives? So Pastor last week was talking about the perks, the privileges that comes with royalty. And some of us might be wondering, okay, we already know that we are royals because the Bible says what you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar person. That's what the Bible calls us. So when you talk about a kingdom, what comes to mind? It's a dictionary meaning of kingdom. It's is a state or government having a king or a queen as its head. So it has a king or a queen as its head. So all of us, we have our jurisdiction in the realm of the spirit that we are supposed to be ruling over. And some of us don't even know. Another meaning of it is it's a dominion over which the spiritual sovereignty of God or Christ extends. This is dictionary meaning. It's not a um, Bible dictionary. This is dictionary meaning. This was a dominion over which the spiritual sovereignty of God or Christ extends, whether in heaven or on earth, whether in heaven or on earth. So in this kingdom that we belong to, there are protocols, there are procedures that has to be followed. And we've already talked about that. There are things that, there are privileges that comes with this kingdom. There are things that comes, the perks that comes with this kingdom. And aside that, there are protocols, there are procedures that we need to follow. And there are things that are allowed and things that are just, it's, it's not, it doesn't happen in God's kingdom. It doesn't happen in this kingdom that we belong. So it's just um, getting, getting familiar with those things that are expected of us in this kingdom that we belong to. And one thing I, I'm sensing in, in, for this coming year is, like I always said, God does not work by calendar. The fact that the year is ending does not mean that so now all of the things you, you were praying for, you were planning for in January, then you pack them up and you start picking up new ones. You know? it's, a, it's, a, it's a process and we are transitioning. It's a season. It's a season until you see the things that you're... It's just like planting season. You don't say because the season is changing, you uproot all of those things that you've planted. You wait for you to get an harvest and you plant the nest. And the same thing with the, with the kingdom of God that we operate in. It's a season. What are the things that you've believed for? What are the things that God is teaching you? What are the things that, what character is he molding in you? So it's a season. Once you pass that um, season, you transition into the next. And one thing that the Lord wants us to focus on in this next season is what? To be able to war a good warfare. 
A lot of us, we come on Sundays. And that's one thing the Lord, like this week, it came so strongly for me that you come to God's, you come to the house, you're hearing the word, you're hearing the word. What, what are you doing with the word? What are you doing with the word? It's not, sometimes it's not because we don't want to do anything with the word. It's just because we don't know what to do with the word. And so, so that's some of the things that we'll be looking at. So we had like this mini lesson that Pastor did last week, talking about um, the privileges. So I'll just focus on some other things that royals do and I will mirror them with what happens in the kingdom. So here I said they have people assigned for every royal, like once a child is born, they have a, um, a, a tutor that is assigned, assigned to the child for training and moral development and academics. Actually, um, Queen Elizabeth was the last royal that was homeschooled. All of the royals before them were homeschooled because they had private tutors and they usually, they were tutored in classics French, Italian, arithmetic, and theology. Can you imagine? So they get them tutors to, to focus on that area. And I was, it was very interesting. I'm like, why would they think um, theology was important? That they would actually assign a tutor to actually teach them in the ways of the Lord, Bible things and all of those things. So those are the things. So they, they have um, training for their children. And the world, they, upon, I mean, the queen had to approve, now the king. They need the king's approval before they can make any marriage proposal. So before anyone marries in the, in the royal family, they need the approval of the queen, now the king. So failure to do so disqualified them to the throne. If you are an heir, if you, if you are next in line, for failure to get the approval of the queen means you have disqualified yourself from, from that throne. And what those marrying into royal families, they actually have to undergo royal training as well. So you don't just marry into royal family. No, you have to go through all of those trainings. What are the protocols? Um, what do they, what does the, when the queen stands up, what does that mean? When the queen is sitting, what does that mean? So they have to go through all of those um, training before they actually get married. And how does this mirror the kingdom of God that we are in? So the first one I said, what well, they are assigned or trainer. Um, that teaches them in terms of academic, spiritual, um, disciplines, and moral development. For us in the kingdom is what we have a teacher that has been assigned to us the day we give our life to Christ. And that's the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. John chapter. Before I go, I'll just read the, our anchor scripture. That's Ephesians chapter 6, Proverbs 10 to 20. Ephesians, that's where all of these um, armors that we're going to talk about, we are focusing on just one. So, but it's found in this um, scripture, Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 to 20. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. The way the enemy has strategies, the kingdom of God also has strategies. It says what? For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen word, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. What? Put on what? Some of the armor. Every piece of God's armor, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, You'll be able, you'll be standing firm. Say, so stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Now they are now telling us what those armors are. Say, so put on the belt of truth 
and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fairy arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Be persistent. If you notice some of the things that have been used recurrently, he talked about all, every. So pray in the Spirit at all times, on all, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in the prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me to ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in, I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I speak. So that was um, Paul's um, admonition to the Ephesian church. So here immediately we become Christians. We are charged, God commits us to the person of the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit as our tutor. He's been assigned to us as the ultimate teacher, ultimate teacher and tutor to school us believers in the things of the Spirit. Because some of us, like what the Bible says, that what we are coming from the kingdom of darkness. It says those of us coming from the kingdom of darkness, it has translated into the kingdom of the sons they love. So there are things that don't come natural to us. Because what? We are coming from a different kingdom. So we have to unlearn some of the things we've learned from the kingdom we are coming from. We have to reorient, reorientate ourselves to be accustomed to the things in this new kingdom. And the person that has been assigned to us to do this job for us is the person of the Holy Spirit. Look at what the Bible says in John. John 14, 26. It says, But the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocates, strengthener, stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. Is it some things? All, all things. And he will cause you to recall. Will bring, he will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything I've ever told you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that has been assigned to us. His work is what? Is to be our counselor. Who is a counselor? Someone that advises us. Someone that provides. It gives you options so that you can pick between two options. He's a counselor. He's a helper. Intersexor. He's an advocate. He speaks on your behalf. He's a strengthener. A standby. A standby means he's always there. So he's been assigned to us just as um, a person is assigned to the royals uh, to teach them in the ways of the royals. We have the Holy Spirit assigned to us to tutor us in the things of the Spirit in this new kingdom that we are becoming a part of. And the next thing too that we are mirroring based on the things that happen in earthly realities was we believers, we have, um, the believers who have gone ahead of us leaves us a pattern and a model to follow. They leave us a pattern and a model to follow. It's just like the royals. You already have things that they do. They are norms based on traditions. But for us, we have believers who have gone ahead of us. We have this cloud of witnesses that have gone ahead of us. Look at what the scripture says about that in 1 Corinthians. 
First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the age has come. So all of these things happen for our instruction. We read the story of the children of Israel today, and we are wondering why did they behave like this, but all of those things were written down. So that we can learn. So that we have a pattern. So we have an example either of things to do or things not to do. We read the story of Solomon these days now. You know the way not to hurt. You read this, um, the story of um, David. You know what to do when it comes to your sin. Because you know that what you cannot hide from God. So all of those things, the scripture is for our instruction. So all of those people that the, the scripture, I mean the stories in this Bible, they are not just um, stories for entertainment or history. It's so that we can learn from them. The same scripture in message um, translation says, these are all warning markers, danger in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our position in the story are parallel. They are the beginning. We are the end. And we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. <laughs> so we don't have any advantage except for the presence of God. So it says we have the same opportunity to mess things up the way these people did. But we have all of those things so that we know the potholes to, um, to avoid as we proceed in our journey with the Lord. We know what to look out for. So that's what this um, scripture. So when you're, when you're reading scripture, you have your eyes opened for instruction. Because that's another thing the Bible says. It says the word of God is for instruction. It's for doctrine. It's for correction. That the man of God will be equipped. So that's what, what the word of God is. So we are not just reading um, a mere story. We have all of those things that we, we are patterned after the knowledge that we belong. We belong to the lineage of God. And the word of God is to mold us, to shape us into that um, lifestyle of God's kingdom. Another thing to that parallels the, uh, the, the royal is, is this. God's word is our training manual. God's word is our training manual. God's word is not um, for us believers. And in this house, we always say that, that was, we place a high premium on God's word. God's word is not what we read when it's convenient. It's not what we do when we have the time. Our life is centered around the word of God. We place a high premium on God's word. Look at what Second, um, second Timothy Second Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I want us to look at that part very close. This is what, is God breathed and it's profitable for teaching. That is the foundation of every intellectual capacity we are going to build. The word of God is the foundation. It says it's profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Complete means what? Complete. Equipped for every good word. Equipped for every good work. So that's what the word of God is. So that's our training manual in this kingdom that we belong to. If you're in doubt about what happens in this kingdom, go to the Bible and look it out. And look it at, okay, what this new kingdom that I'm a part of, what is it that they do? How do they behave? How do they dress? What's their speech like? Look into it and you'll be able to see a mirror of yourself or what you ought to be. Another, the last thing is um, that I'll, I'll parallel to this kingdom is what? 
they said they need the approval of the queen to get married. We as believers also, we need God's approval to get married. And the standard for us is that what? For as a believer, what? We are not to be equally yoked with unbelievers. That's the, that's the, that's the standard. So from that pool of um, fellow believers, then you have your choice to pick. But you know that some people are already excluded. They have to be believers. So that's the, that's the, the basic thing that we look out for uh, in terms of the choice of our married partner. And that's in 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians 6, verse 14. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them, inconsistent with your faith. It says, for what partnership has right living and right standing with God with iniquity and lawlessness? Or how can light fellowship with darkness? It doesn't happen. Light cannot fellowship with, the, with darkness. And that's our basis. So that what? We look to God for what? The choice of a life partner. Choosing among his own children. So these are just, we've done this much extensive teaching on the kingdom of God. And that's one thing I want you to, to go back to in your own spare time. That, that this kingdom, we have a kingdom mandate. I belong to this kingdom. So you might want to do a personal study on your own. That Okay, this kingdom that I belong to. What are the protocols? What are the processes? What are the strategies that will make me be an effective member of this kingdom? That will make me op operate at the optimum of my strength and abilities in this kingdom. So that's one thing you want to go back to. Because that's, this is the, the, the kingdom of our God. That's, we, are, we are in that end time that, was that, that the consciousness of God's kingdom is on the top of the mind of believers. We are not just running after things. We are running after the master's agenda. That's the era that we are in this morning, in this moment. So we'll go back to our, the scripture we started from. That's Ephesians chapter 6. So we'll look at verse 13 to 18. So that's where they, met, um, they listed the armors. So the first one from verse um, 13 to 18, I'll just read quickly from this place. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore guarded your waist with truth. That's the first, that's the first weapon, truth. Having put on the blessed, the breastplate of righteousness and having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of God. And, and Pastor actually, when, when he did this, he actually expanded on that, that when you talk about the preparation of the gospel of, of peace, he's talking about how prepared you have, how ready you have. It is the gospel of making peace with God and readiness to meet him. So that's that, that preparation of the gospel of peace. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith. So that's another weapon, the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one. And then take the helmet of salvation. And the last one is what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And that's where I'm going to rest my case this morning. The last one, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So that's one, one, um, one weapon I want us to focus on. And I want us to understand, this is not an exhaustive study on the, on the word of God, but I, I want to, to give us um, a foretaste so that you can go in your own private space and dig deeper, and dig deeper that, Lord, this word, I know there is more, so that you want to search more, and, and let the Lord take you on a journey with him in those regards. 
in Ephesians chapter 6, from New Living, from, I'll read from the um, Passion Translation. It says, put on God's complete sets of armor. So this kingdom we are in, you can't fight with just the helmet of salvation. And you don't have the breastplate of righteousness or the truth. It's not, you can't fight with half of the equipment. You can imagine the U.S. Um, soldier or even Canadian soldier going to war. They have the uniform, they have the helmets, and they are wearing slippers. How would you think they are serious about where they are going to? No, you wouldn't think they are serious. So that's why there's all of the armors, that, all of the things that we need. It's a complete package. There's no one that we can leave behind. And he's saying it here. He says, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us. So you're not the one putting this together. It's a set of armor that has been provided for us so that you'll be protected as you fight against the devil, against the evil strategies of the accuser. Strategies is what's sitting with. <laughs> the enemy has strategies. He has, he's, he's wise, he's wise. And, and that's why the Bible says that what you, we, we need to be gentle as a dove, but be wise as a serpent. But believers, we just think that, oh, I, I have God. Like, we, we brush aside things. We don't sit with things. We don't want to. It's almost like we, we want quick fixes. We don't want to sit with the word of God, or not just the word of God. We don't want to sit with the revelation of the things, of the dealings of God, and let him expand his word in our hearts. The devil has strategies, and the kingdom that we belong to, there are also strategies. There are protocols, there are procedures, there are processes that need to be followed. And those are the things that you want to ask yourself when you're doing this, your own personal study. What are, in case I don't, I don't fully comprehend what this kingdom that I've pledged allegiance to, in case I don't understand what it entails, Lord, would you open me up? Give me an introductory course to this kingdom. Open my eyes to the basis and let me grow in the things of the spirit. So some of us just think that the, the, enemy, we, the enemy we are fighting is just um, eat or miss. No, he has plans. The devil does not joke when he's coming after us. He has plans. He has agendas. So those are the things that you want to focus on. It says because of this, you must wear, see that word again, all. You must wear all the armor that God provides. So you are not... So you are protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. We always say it here. We are fighting from the place of victory. We are not victim in those fights that we are fighting. We are fighting from the place of victory. But we have to sit with the one, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the army. We have to sit with him to download what are, these, what are the things you want done in this, in this fight that we are in. Make sure you have all of your armors on. So that's, it. that's what we want to, to sit in with. How do we weaponize God's word? How do we weaponize God's word? Since the sword of the spirit, as we know, a sword is um, the, the word of God that we are considering. The Bible says it in, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4. It says it's a double-edged sword. So it's both an offensive weapon and a defensive weapon. So it's one that you use before the enemy brings the battle to you. And when the battle is actually happening, it's still the same word of God that you can use as a defensive weapon. So this morning, one thing I want us to consider is this. Ask yourself, how knowledgeable am I about this weapon that is all of the weapons that is available to me? How knowledgeable do I know them? Am I skilled in the use of these things? Remember the story of David when he was going to go fight um, Goliath. 
And after the whole, he had to persuade them to let him go. And he told him, Saul told him, he said, bring him here. Where let him wear the, the, his armor. He gave him, if that armor, like if the armor in itself, if the shield and all of those things can actually defend us, then Paul should have, I mean, Saul should have gone on that battle. So the strength and the victory we have is not in the armor. It's our ability to use those things. And what was David's response? He said, I've not used those things. <laughs> I've not fought with them. So I'll be a victim if I have to go in the things that I'm not trained to use. So just let me go with my sling and my stone. And that's it. You want to be trained in the use of this armor. So how skilled are we in operating these weapons? Do you know what they have? Do you know how they operate? Do you know how you can get them in when you are in situation? Do you know which of the, um, the weapons to deploy? That you are not just um, firing the sword. You want to kill... You want to kill an insect now. You're bringing a gun. The insect that you can just clap your hand and click. Like, do you know what to use at every point in time? Do you know what weapons to employ? So let's just, let's just see what the Lord... This was the scripture that I went... When the Lord started talking to me about this message, the scripture he gave to me was um, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4. It says, it says, Where the word of a king is... There is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? But that was the scripture. It says, where the word of a king is, there is power. And he asked me this question. What are you doing with your words? And that's why I did the whole introduction of a king and a kingdom. Because it's the word of a king that has power. If you don't have that basic understanding that you are a king, you belong to a kingdom, then your oppression or your... Your reign in that kingdom is going to be faulty. So that's the premise in which we are fighting. We are fighting as a king. And he said, what, what are you doing with your words? That was the question the Lord asked. He said, what are you doing with your words? Because it's, what, it's where the word of a king is that there is power. There is power in your word. So some of us, we are thinking, that's a king. I'm not a king. You are a king. We already established that. You are a king. Look at Revelation. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. It says what? And has made us kings and priests to God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. He has made us to be kings and priests. The same revelation, chapter 5, verse 10. It says, and you have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on earth. We shall reign on earth. We are not just going to heaven to reign. While we are on earth, we are maximizing, we are, we are doing everything within our ability. We are doing everything that has been given to us to deploy the kingdom of our God on earth. Because it says to us, we shall reign on earth. That's what the Bible says. There is power in the word. There is power in the word of God. It's not just um, our ability to just quote the word, but to, to, to turn the word of God into a missile. <laughs> That you know what to, to do at every point in time. This morning we'll have a shot at it. To, to, to turn the word of God into an offensive and defensive weapon. To know that, no, I, I can legislate with my word. I can decree a thing with my word and it will be established. Hebrew chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrew chapter 4, verse 12 says, it says, For the word that God speaks is alive. Are we not thankful for that? So the fact that this word was spoken thousands of years ago doesn't mean it has lost its power. It says the word that God speaks is not the word God has spoken. The word that God speaks is a continuous thing. It's a life. 
and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Don't you just like those words there? Just explaining the power in the word. He says he's making it what? Active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul. And the immortal spirits and of joints and marrows of the deepest parts of our nature. Exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. That's the power in this word that we serve. And this word has been given to us as a weapon. I'm just going to share three things with us on this word and how to, how to weaponize it or how to use this word that we've been given. The first one is that the word. The word of God is both an offensive and defensive weapon. And I already said that earlier. And I'll read um, an example to us in the Bible from the scripture. That's the story of um, David. I read 1 Samuel chapter 17 from verse 1 to 11. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered to succor, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokol and um, Ezekiel in Ephesdamin. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath. Who's eyes? Oh, very funny story. So the other day, sorry to break the... My, my second son wanted to watch some... Um, no, he asked for audio Bible to be played. So it was like, I watched something bad the other day, so I just need the audio Bible before I go to sleep. So I'm like, oh, what did you watch? He said he watched the story of Goliath and David, and the Goliath in the animation looked like a goat. <laughs> I'm like, he hasn't seen a goat before. I'm like, how do you know Goliath looked like a goat? He said, no, the, the, the Goliath was scary. So back to our scripture. He says, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze element on, on his head. And he was armed with a coat of milk. Can you see all of those armors, all of those things that Goliath had on? And that's how we are equipped. Normally, a normal soldier will go out. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And his shield bearer went before him. And then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out? Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be servants. They will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defile the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words, that was the first battle, it was words. It was battle of words. When they heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So you can actually use God's words to put 
fear in the, in, the, in the minds of the enemy. You can use the word of God to terrorize the enemy. But the word of God that we actually want is not just to put fear in them. It's actually to defeat them. Because that word is actually that powerful. And look at the other part of the scripture. So they have gone, the battle of words. But when David was going to, to, to fight, to attack, that was the first thing he said to you. That was the first thing. He didn't talk about his weapon. Look at the thing. It was the, 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 the battle of words. Then David said to the, to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. Did he take his head from him? But did he use his sword first? No, he used his words first. That was the first place he had to defeat him. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the head and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is God, there is a God in Israel. That's our first line of battle. The word of God. Before you actually approach that, that, that challenge you're facing first, you approach it with the word of God. And that's what we do. You have a challenge. You're confronted with a challenge. You're faced between decisions. Before you start looking online for the pros and cons of the decision, you go to the word of God. You declare that word. I know what to do. The word of God says that was, I will hear a voice before me, I mean, behind me saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Because I'm the child of God, my steps are ordered by God. I will not make a wrong turn. I will not make a wrong mistake. You're already aligning yourself in the spirit. Then you make your research. Because your spirit is already attuned to the word of God, it's easy for you to make decisions that are in line with the word of God. But if the first place we are starting with is, okay, what is the career that is reigning? Where is the best city to live in? There's tendency to, to, to make um, wrong judgments. I'm not saying that you can't make, but there's tendency to make wrong judgments. You go first with the word of God to align your spirit that you can hear and you can discern between two opinions. So that's the first thing that was the word of God is both your offensive and defensive weapon. So ask yourself, have I been using this word maximally? Have I been maximizing the potential of this word in my life? Have I been maximizing the potential of this word in my life? Another example is Jesus Christ. When he was being tempted by the devil, it was the same thing he did. It was the battle of words. It was battle of words. And that's found in Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. He says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he was said, that's still the word, if you are the son of God, and a lot of us have this enemy bombarding our mind with if, so many if, if God has said this to you and it's not happening, if God has declared you the head and you're not, it's so many ifs, he's bombarding our minds with, with so many ifs, but it, we are not the first. He tried it on Jesus. He tried it on Jesus. This is why if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and what said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city 
Then he said, on, I mean, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So continue. That was the same just battle of words. The devil said, Jesus had to save. The devil said, Jesus had to save. It's the, it's the fight of your words against that of the enemy. Remember the sons of Scaphas, when they were doing what they were going to chase those demons, I said, what Paul we know. The words that you're speaking against your situation, is this grounded on the truth of the word, the word of God? Is it grounded on what the Lord has said concerning you? Or you're just speaking the word, oh, I've heard my pastor say this, oh, I've heard someone call this. Or is this grounded on the knowledge of the law that you have found for yourself? That's what he was trying to, that, it goes for your identity first. Once he knows that you have an issue with your identity, then he's going to succeed with everything he brings. I'll skip the rest of the scripture. So the second thing we use our words for is like, words are used to create our preferred desires. It's used to create our desired future. There are things you're believing for. There are things you're trusting God for. The first place we start from is with our words. We start declaring. We start declaring and confessing. We already know by now that we are a confessing church. And it's not, um, it's not um, a confession that you confess one week because you don't see anything. You stop confessing. You keep confessing and declaring until you see those things materialize in your life. Because the, words, the power of this, of this future that we, we want, we create it in our imaginations. We create it in our words before they become a reality in our lives. It says what? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, we eat its fruits. So what are you creating? Are you creating life? Are you creating a desired life for yourself with your words? Are you creating the future that you want? You know, sometimes I was saying to, to someone the other day, I was just asking, how have you been? And I was like, ah, we are managing. I'm like, that cannot be, that cannot be your vocabulary. But because I know it's hard. It's something that I had to, to almost consciously remind myself. I can't be saying, I'm saying, ah, God, God is in control. And somebody asks me, how am I doing? I'm managing or we are pushing it. You can't be pushing it. So the word of faith that we speak, the word of faith that is in our mouth, it might look like you're telling lies. But what? You're just declaring what the word of God says. You're not managing. You're triumphing. You are excelling. You're living your best life now. That should be our responses when somebody asks us, what are we doing? How are we doing? I'm living my best life. Because the Bible says, says well, this is the day he has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This day has is what it say it daily loads us with what with benefits. The fact that you are not seeing the benefits does not deny the fact that there are provisions for today. So it's just for me to be able to use my word to make those provisions come like practically come into my hands so they become things that I can actually undo. So we use the word of God to create our preferred future. So the second scripture I'll read to us is the same scripture. It's just an amplified version. It says, well, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or for life. So if you indulge in saying negative things, you're going to see negative results in your life. If you indulge in it by saying positive things, you see positive things in your life. And the last scripture on that is what's Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, 2. It says, you are snared by the words of your lips. You are caught by the speech of your mouth. So what is your mouth altering? What are the things that are coming from your mouth? You can't just be, be, be saying negative things and say, no, I'm joking. The enemy does not understand joke. 
Once you voice it out, you have given it power to become operational in your life. Once it comes out of your mouth, you have given it power and wings to become operational in your life. But the very last one I want to sit on is what? We use the word to create legislation. We use our words to legislate things. Still going back to where we started from, which is our kingdom, that we are people of the kingdom. And when you talk about legislation, it has to do with the government. It has to do with ruling. So legislation is not just, um, it's not a wishful thinking. It's not just, ah, I wish that. No, it's things that it, it's enacted into law. It becomes a bill. So that's what legislation is. And that's the, the part I want us to focus on. We use our words to create legislation. And we read, we read some scriptures in that, in that um, regard. The, I want to say that legislation is, dictionary legislation, if you're thinking like, okay, what does it mean to legislate? It's, what, it's a process or result of enrolling, enacting, or promulgating laws by legislature, parliaments, or analogous governing bodies. Before an item of legislation becomes law, it may be known as a bill and may be broadly referred to as legislation. Why it remains under con on consideration to distinguish it from other business. Legislation can have many purposes. So look at this. It is used to regulate. It is used to authorize. It is used to outlaw, to provide funds, to sanction, to grant, to declare, or to resist. And that's where I'm going to rest my case this morning. Are we using our words, the word of the Lord has given to us to do any of those things? Are we regulating circumstances in our favor? Are we authorizing things in our favor? Are we outlawing things in our favor? Are we providing laws or funds in our favor? Or are we sanctioning things or granting or declaring to exist? Or what are we restricting with our words? Because it's not just to make positive confession. There's a place for that. But the greater power of the word of God that he has put in our mouth is what? To operate as a kingdom. And it's, what, it's to make legislation. It's to authorize, to regulate. Are things happening in your place of work? Are things happening in the life of your children? Are things happening in your life that you just think, ah, one day it happened to my father? Or is it something that has been happening in my lineage? Or you stand up and say, no, from this moment... I declare an end to that. Whatever it is, whatever is our central cause or something that, like, oh, in our house, everybody has a um, headache. In our house, oh, migraine is just what, no. You stand against that, and that's what we use our word for. So that's where we are going to come this morning. I'll just share some scripture with us, and we're going to do an exercise in that regard and use the word of God to start making legislation in our favor. Matthew chapter 18 from verse 18 to 19. Matthew chapter 18, from verse 18 to 19. I'm reading from Amplified Version. It says, Truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, <laughs> is it whatever God forbids? Whatever you forbid, whatever you forbid and you declare to be improper, there are things that people say, well, but once we declare them improper and unlawful on earth, it's what, what it must be what is already forbidden in heaven. It says, and whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. And Pastor did another um, talk on this. Are we, are we conversant with heaven that we know what is permitted in heaven? Because it's the will of God in heaven that is done on earth. Are you conversant with the agenda of the, of the Father? That you know whatever is, you know what is being allowed in heaven. That you can bring God's kingdom on earth. 
are you conversant with the mind of God? So that's why he's saying to us, whatever we permit, that's what is permitted on earth. Look at Job, Job 22, verse, um, it says, and again I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's the prayer of agreements. But look at the scripture in Job chapter 22, verse 28. It says, you would also decree a sin and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Have we asked yourself that, have I actually maximized the power in this word? Am I using the word of God? It's not just to create um, a preferred future. Am I actually using the word of God to disallow things? To disallow nonsense in my life? To disallow things that would not give glory to God? Am I using the word of God to create a marker in my family? Am I using the word of God? It's a covenant. It's a covenant that I'm making with God that my generation, they will serve the Lord. It's a covenant. And I always say to my children, you have no choice. You are serving this God. I've covenanted every seed that comes from my loins. There are children and the children after them that they are for signs and for wonders. That is not something I'm debating with them. What is it that you are using your word to make a territory? Have you made a mark around your children? Have you made a mark around your family? Have you using God's word to declare a territory that, no, this is my jurisdiction? You cannot come and outlaw me in this place. You cannot come and displace me in this place because what? I reign in this place. We use our words for that. A lot of us, we have been at the mercy of the enemy. Well, it's almost like he's telling us, shift, let me sit. The enemy is almost pushing you out of the seat. No, this is your place. He says, Jesus Christ is what? Is right at the is right at the right hand of the Father. He's not squatting there. He's seated, and he says, "What you are seated with Him, you are seated with Him. We are not squatting in heaven." So sometimes, because for me personally, there are sometimes that you're thinking, "Oh, if I pray, is God is God going to answer? Like, do I have the power to actually?" Speak against evil or speak against anything. things. I'm not praying. We've talked about the law. We've talked about grace. We are any of those things you're doing. It's not from the place of your own authority or your own righteousness. You are praying from the place you're seated with God. In You're seated with Christ beside God. That's where you're exercising your authority from. So you have to know whose you are. You have to know who you belong to. And it's from that place of identity that you are making this legislation. It's from that place of identity that you are making those decree. So ask yourself, what are the things that have permitted in my life? What are the things that have allowed sleep in my family, over my children, in my career? And you think, ah, it's normal. It, it happens. Like, you just explain it away. What are the things that have explained away in the past? Ask yourself, what are the things I've tolerated? What are the things I've allowed to 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 displace me from the place of dominion. What has, have you come into that world? That, have you used your word to create results? I'm, and I'm just one because it's in some of us we have taken, we are reigning in the place of using our words to create our desired future. Using our words, like fighting, we like saying, confessing the word, declaring our identity. But that's just the part of it. The part I want you to sit on and going into the year is what? Taking your place of authority. Taking your place of authority, that you're not just complaining about things, that you go into your private spaces and you start legislating things, you start regulating things, you start declaring things. So that's the mindset I want us to go, go for. 
So in what areas of your life have you allowed the enemies to rule? In what areas of your life have you explained it whether you just think, ah, it's one of those things. So can we just be on our feet? I'll give us like some minutes to just think back. I don't know if there's any part of your life that you think, I should have done better. I should have done things differently. Oh, over my marriage, I just explained that, oh, that's how my wife is. She's all tempered. Oh, my husband is just, he's not very affectionate. Oh, no, my, no. All are the things that you've allowed in your life and you've, you've commonized that you think they are just supposed to be normal. Can you just go before the Lord this morning? The first thing I want you to see is that, Lord, I am really seated with you. Can you just establish that fact this morning? I said, Lord, I am seated with you. I am seated with you. I am seated with you at the right side of the Father. This morning, I establish my authority in you. No, not of anything that I've done, O oh God. Not by works that any man should boast, but the finished work of Christ. And he said something in one of the scriptures that we read. He says what? The Holy Spirit, we are intercessor. The Spirit of the living God is praying over you. Jesus is praying over you. The elders that have gone before us, they are praying over us. Can we just go this morning and Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.